listening to Cairo Candy, the podcast of sweet chiropractic success. Now, here's your host, Billy Sticker. Ladies and gentlemen of the chiropractic profession, welcome to the show, Dr. Carolyn Griffin. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Better than I deserve. So you are in California, correct? I am. All right. Whereabouts? We are in a town called Santa Clarita, which is uh, 30 miles north of L.A. Okay. I've been to L.A. a couple of times. I actually went to um, Dr. Jeff Spencer. You know, he does the um, blueprint or the champion's blueprint. He's got a great workshop anyway, which is not too far from where you're at. Um, okay. Pretty neat area. But anyway, let's get into your story. So tell us a little bit about your background and why chiropractic? For me, when I was 17, getting ready to graduate high school, my dad ended up having a double hernia operation. And he loved golfing just so much that before he was fully healed, he went out onto the course, took his first swing and quote unquote, threw out his back, right? And his back, he was in so much pain, you know, couldn't pick up a pencil off the floor, tie his shoes, you know. Um, and he worked in a, in an aerospace area where the parking lot was really huge. He would literally have to walk, sit on the bumpers of cars to get to his desk. And a coworker of his finally said, you know, why don't you go to a chiropractor? And my dad literally said, no way, man, they're quacks. And so he didn't go and he suffered for a few weeks. And finally, when the pain didn't go away, he said, you know what, who's your doc? Let me, I got to get, get this taken care of. And so he started going to the chiropractor history exam, x-ray started getting adjusted and his back pain started to improve. So here I am 17, getting ready to graduate high school. And I'm like, you know, dad, what do you think I should, what do you think I should be when I grow up? I still had no clue. And he said, you know what, you should be a chiropractor. And so at that point in time, we opened up the yellow pages and I called a couple of doctors and I said, you know, I'm thinking about being a chiropractor. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? And some of them said, you know what, better yet, why don't you come in and follow me around for the day? And so I did. And I followed them around, saw people getting better, you know, from their headaches going away without medication, back pain like my dad had. And so I decided to go to school. And this December will actually be 21 years since I graduated from chiropractic school. Awesome. So what does life have you doing now? So life for me is about helping and giving back to the profession. After being a chiropractor for a long time, my goal is to help educate as many uh, docs as possible that want the help. I I saw a, a post on Facebook not too long ago about docs, the, the longevity or the, the length of time that a chiropractor will stay in practice. And unfortunately, it was quite dismal. We were seeing doctors that were um, you know, supplementing their income by being a bartender or waiting tables, or if they were struggling so bad, they were actually quitting and doing something completely different. And here they have this $250,000 loan and no way of paying it back, at least in the profession that they went to school for. And so what I would love to be able to do is with my partner, Dr. Dan Grunert, help these doctors, these young doctors, you know, basically out of school, zero to five years, help bridge that gap be from student to doctor in order to help them to succeed in practice. Because I really feel like with these students or young docs, if they're not making it and the enrollment in schools are so low, eventually it's going to truly weaken our practice, our, our profession. And what's going to be 
of chiropractic. You know, there's, it's, it's not going to be as strong as it could be. And so the more that stay in practice, the more that succeed, the stronger our whole profession is going to be as a whole. Tell us a little bit about what practice looked like for you. For me, I love practicing. My practice is more of a family practice. This year, I have now a second office. I've opened up a second office with an associate doctor who's practicing out of that office. And, you know, he was struggling. He's He wasn't new out of practice. He's been in practice for over 13 years, and he wasn't making it. And, um, you know, we went in and took over that office, showed him our systems. Um, he started implementing it, and literally he's been – profitable since month one since we took over. So I know our systems work. I know what we can do can help a lot of docs and we just need to get the word out. So you, you've been in practice. About 21 about years. 21 years now. Um, what happened right after school? Tell us kind of about your journey that's brought you to here. From right out of school, I had no clue. I went to LACC, so I didn't have um, a lot of philosophy, honestly. I came from LACC. So it was more of, you know, back pain and no philosophy at all. I ended up becoming, also, I didn't know how to adjust. I thought I knew so much. And when I got out, I realized I knew absolutely nothing. And so I ended up becoming an associate in an office with, uh, for a woman that saw high volume. We saw tons of patients every week. And so the good news was within five to six months, I was able to adjust like I've been out of practice for five years. I, I was able to hone that skill much quicker in her office. And I learned how to practice manage, meaning, you know, how to handle my day ones, day twos, high volume, you know, multiple new patients at one time. I realized that headspace and flow and your systems matter the most if you're going to succeed. Say that again. So your systems, the flow of the office and how to manage your cases manage, make the most uh, difference if you're going to succeed. You're going to have to be able to do all of it. And because I was in an office that I was able to see multiple people at one time, a ton of people at one time, we were seeing upwards of when she went away to have her baby and I was the only one in the office, we grew it from when I started with her 350 a week up to nearly 800. And I was doing that by myself at one point in time, seeing, you know, 80 to 100 new patients a month. And so for me, I was, as a young doc out of school, I was able to really see a lot, do a lot. And so my headspace was, you know what? I can do this. There's no sense in, you know, there's no failing. Failing's not an option. And I just was able to hone all of those skills very well so that when I did decide to open my own practice, I knew exactly what to do. I wasn't making those mistakes in my office. The key that I wanted you to, to readdress there was the headspace. Because how important is that? I know in my business, uh, as far as on the Facebook marketing side of things, whenever we have clients, I don't like, okay, if someone calls, schedules a call with me, we get on the phone, and they've been in practice for 10 years, and they're seeing 50 to 60 people a week, Yeah. straight chiropractic, that, that throws up a flag. Yeah. You know, uh, and typically I will not work with someone like that because even if we're doing our job and getting you tons of new patients, the headspace is where there's something going on. So, so I agree. Headspace, you know, I trained with from, from, uh, being an associate at that office, I trained with Dr. Fred Schofield for 
13 years. And what I got out of it was that headspace is everything. You know, you can have all the systems and procedures and that's important. Obviously you need to have that, but if you don't have the right mindset, you're not going to succeed. Having both makes the biggest difference in the world. If you have the right headspace and the right tools, you can do anything. So true. And it's not just in this profession. It's in life. Yeah. In life. So from associate to your own practice, what did that look like? Yeah. So for me, it was a struggle a bit. And the reason why is my husband and I had just bought our first home. Then I opened a practice and then I got pregnant all within six months. <laughs> so it was a lot of stress. And we we're like, oh, crap. My The first thing that ran through my head was, how am I going to, you know, grow a practice and, you know, raise a baby at the same time? How am I going to do both? And, you know, I figured it out. Like, again, it's like, because I had all these other things going on, I wasn't trying to learn how to run a practice. I already knew I just had to do it. And I was able to bring my baby into the office and I did. So I took, I took a week off before I delivered my son. I came back two weeks later. So I took three weeks off and I started seeing patients and my son would, because I didn't have a nanny and we couldn't afford a nanny, I should say at that point in time. And we didn't have family that lived close by. My son went to the office with me every single day. And so that's what I did. I would nurse patient, nurse my son between patients and all of it. So, you know, it was a struggle, but we grew. Um, I think the biggest thing that made the, the, the difference in our, in our practice, in my practice was the fact a year into that, when my son turned a year old, my husband and I, um, we all went on a family vacation. And at that point in time, my husband was working for Ernst and Young, which was one of the big five accounting firms back in the day. I think they're the top three now. And he was working 16 plus hour days. He was working such long hours. We barely ever saw him. So I felt like a single working mom because of his hours. And so when my son turned a year, we went away on a family vacation. And that trip turned out to be a huge wake up call for us because we realized that my husband had missed our son's entire first year of life. Like he never saw him. He was always asleep. You know, he was coming and going and our son was always asleep. And so as a result of that, um, we made a life-changing decision and we decided that, you know what, family came first. And so my husband and I decided that one of us was going to give up their career. And since chiropractic was a lifestyle and not just a job, that's the direction we went. And wow. so that, yeah, that Monday when we went back, literally that Monday, he went into the firm, gave two weeks notice, and he's been my office manager ever since. How awesome is that? Yeah. So it's pretty awesome. What did it do? I mean, so you didn't purchase a practice. You started a practice. Yeah. So I took over a space. My headspace when I got out of that associate position was, okay, I'm going to break a hundred after my first month. I'll be at 500 within a year. You know, I mean, that was my headspace because I just knew I was going to do it, but it doesn't always work out that way. Right. Like I bought a house and then I got pregnant and you know, it was different. It was not the way I imagined it to be. So it was harder. It was more challenging. And, um, so it took a bit of time to grow, but once my husband, and it was a hard decision because we had to give up his paycheck and we we're like, can we do this? Is this the right choice? But we knew that we were going to take a financial cut to save our family. Like that was that there was no question that we were going to do that. And as a result of us making that decision, our practice immediately grew. Like, because I, my whole focus was now being able to go marketing and adjusting. And he was able to take care of, you know, my son, more so I was able to, he was doing all the accounting, the stuff that I'm not good at. He took it all over and I was able to focus on 
patience and what I'm good at. And as a result, we grew fast. And so that's, that was huge. Um, but that transition didn't happen right away. Um, when I, when I got out of that associate position, I, I, I kind of, that's my dog. When I got out of that associate position, I thought I was just going to get a huge bank loan and, um, you know, hundred thousand dollars and let me open this boutique office and all of this. But if I was married to an accountant and he's like, uh, no, you're not. And so he basically said, you know, I had a friend that said, check out this one place. This doctor just bought a building. Why don't you come and check it out? I'm like, dude, that's a dump. There's no way I'm going to open up in that. Sorry, but there was no way I was going to do that. And my husband says, come on, let's go check it out. So we went and looked at it and it was really a dump, but it had a chiropractic sign above it. It had a phone number. I didn't get any of the patient files because he, you know, moved a couple miles down the road and took it all. But I was able to go into this cheap location. And within a couple of months, I was paying my own overhead. So I didn't go into debt getting into practice. I was just I built it and I grew and that's how I did it. So when I made some money, I bought a table. When I made a little bit more money, I bought another table. That's how I did it. I didn't get a huge loan and stress myself out, you know? Yeah, there's a lot to be said for that right there. Mm-hmm. So tell us what you guys, what you're doing now to help the profession. I know we had a great conversation before we even hit record, um, yeah. which well, good thing we weren't recording it. But uh, <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Let's talk about what you guys have going on right now. So what I'm doing is I have partnered with a man named Dr. Dan Grunert. He's a chiropractor and we've started Keystone Chiropractic Training. And our goal is to help docs, you know, young docs, struggling docs, docs that have been in practice for a long time, help hone their day one, day two skills. And we're helping them by bridging that gap. You know, we want to show them how to do this so that they can be successful in their practice, have fun in their office again, know that they don't have to be in there for, you know, 30, 40 minutes doing an intake that it can take 10 to 12 minutes, that their report of findings can be, you know, educating at the same time you're converting them without the stress of having to learn 40 different objections because you, you failed on day one, you're right. So there's so many ways for us to be able to handle this. Um, I think, unfortunately, there's so many, there's a lot of great practice management seminars out there, but they're also, some of them are still teaching some of the things that were, you know, taught 20, 30 years ago. And the patient base today, our society today has changed. We're living more of a millennial mindset. These do- They're the biggest generation right now, and they've entered the buyer's market. And if we're not communicating for these millennials, then we're going to lose them immediately. And so if you're not able to have that conversation with these, with these um, patients that are coming in your door, and you're chasing them out, you know, and they're not coming back for the report of findings, then something's wrong. Or if you're having to learn a million objections in order to close them, then something went wrong. So what we're trying to do is let you know that there's a new way of communicating with these millennials and the way you do it in your day one, day two matters. What are some mistakes that you see a lot of doctors making in their day ones and day twos? But let's start with day ones. Yeah. So in me, what the first mistake is, you know, we hear a lot of docs say, you know what, don't adjust on the first visit. That's like a big faux pas. That's like a big no, no. Right. If you ask a lot of the doctors, they're like, oh, I would never adjust on the first visit. And I'll say, OK, but is there ever a time that you do? And they're like, well, you know, if they're in a lot of pain 
or if it's Friday and, you know, I, I, I don't want to have them suffer over the weekend, then I might do it. I said, okay, so you do adjust on the first visit pretty much every Friday then. So what's the difference of you doing it Monday through Thursday? And I know that there's a big, you know, it's, it's kind of like taboo to even do it because you want to create that value. You want to, you know, get them to bring in their spouse and go do all these things. But here's the thing. The millennials today, they want things now. They want things right away. And if we're seeing less than 5% of the population and you're driving them out the door because you're not giving them what they want at that moment, which you could do, you could look at the x-rays, make sure there's no contraindications for you adjusting them in the first place. Take care of them. They're there for a reason. It probably took a lot for them to walk through your door. They're like, you know what? My back hurts. Let me come in. I think the biggest mistake we do is we try to drive our philosophy down their throat and, and, and before they even know what we do and it's a put off. And I think if you can just say, you know what, let me take care of you. And then as they start to come in, now you can start to educate them as opposed to, I'm not going to adjust you, you, you know, because I'm trying to create this value. You must bring in your spouse for the second visit or else I'm not going to adjust you. You put all these restrictions and blockades, which we already have anyway, just because we're chiropractors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. We already have these issues. So why create more? Just do what they're looking for. I mean, the thing is, I rem- it's so funny. It's like the I used to be like that. I used to say, you know what? I'm not going to adjust on the first visit. I just won't. And I realized that I'm driving, I'm trying to force my philosophies onto them when at the same time, it would be like somebody saying to me, you should adjust on the first visit. I'm like, no way. Why would I do that? And they're trying to force that onto me. It's like, if you can just think about it and say, you know what, we're instead of trying to force something onto that patient on that first visit, give them what they want. It's okay. You're not going to hurt them. You can get them out of pain. They're going to love you for it. And they're going to want to come back and go over those x-rays. The worst thing in the world is this. The patient's in pain. You say, I'm going to shoot some film. Let's schedule a time for you to come back. And they don't because they went to the other chiropractor down the street who was able to get them out of pain because that's exactly what they wanted. But you drove them out the door because you were trying to force your philosophy um, onto them. That's good. I'll say this from a lay person. I would want to be adjusted the first day. Absolutely. I would. And, uh, and I shared with you my story and a lot of the listeners, if they're repeat listeners, they know I used to work in office. I, I did our day ones and day twos. Yeah. You know, I went over the films with the patients. Um, but it was, it always put me in an awkward position, especially when someone comes in and they're, you know, acute and they just like, they need help. And then for me to say, well, look, you're going to have to come back tomorrow. Exactly. Well, well why am I even here? You know, and, and so here's the problem. When you have that doctor that isn't confident anyway, when you when you're forced to have that conversation, you're it's even worse because you don't know how to say no. You sound sketchy. You sound a little bit like, you know, I don't know. It just doesn't come across very well, especially when the doctor's not confident. And unfortunately for a lot of the docs that might be struggling, that's a very tough conversation to have. And so they don't and they or they don't have it very well and then the patient's gone. So what we do with Keystone Chiropractic Training is we're going to teach you how to have these conversations so that you don't lose them straight out of the gate. Right. What are some things on day two? Uh, can you give us any tips there without giving away the form? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, with the day two, um, yeah, I can. You know, one of the things that um, we love is there is a balance between 
being fair, charging a lot, you know, there's the big thing is, you know, get the big prepay, get the big nut. And the way I see it is the, the thing that I learned from Dr. Fred, and I told you that I trained with Dr. Fred um, earlier is you're, you know, a practice is made, you're going to be successful um, this way. A practice is not built on a, on a few home runs. It's built on a lot of base hits. So if you can like not chase that person out the door, they, they're there, they want your care, they want you, right? But you're now saying it's going to cost three to 5,000 or whatever the prepay number is for that doctor. And it's like, you know what? That's scary. That's a lot. And so what else can you do? And unfortunately, a lot of times these doctors, they learn all these objections in order to get them to close. And it's not always, and it doesn't always work. So they're like, you know what? Screw it. Next, next. And they just have this mentality that it, it they'll just get the next one and they'll do it on the next one. But what about that person that you just threw out the door because they can't afford your care? What about taking care of them? What about compromising? What about take, leading, you know, they say, they say, well, you're devaluing chiropractic. And, and that drives me nuts when I hear that. And I'll tell you why, because the way I see it is this, you're not devaluing chiropractic, you're devaluing humanity and, or your value. I want you to value humanity more. And I want you to take care of these folks, because if we're going to have that tipping point and see more than 5% of the population, then start getting your hands on these people. And then we can start to educate and have these conversations about wellness care, but let's get these people taken care of. Right. And I'll say this from, I, I get it. I understand the care plans. I understand the treatment plans and I know several people that do that and they're extremely successful. But once again, from a lay person, I'm not even talking about from care for myself, Yeah. but people around here, my friends and family, I always get phone calls, text messages on Facebook. Hey, I need a chiropractor. Who around here do you recommend? Right. And I will say this. There are a few that are great doctors that I know, but that are big care plans, hard yeah. closers. Yeah. And I'm I'm hesitant exactly. to refer yes. a friend or family and, member there. Not that I what? just want them to go somewhere that's just going to be strictly relief care, but I want them to go somewhere where there's that that balance and and they so. care and they realize it's not just about the dollar. Too, all too often, so many docs are being taught that these patients are walking in with a dollar sign on their forehead. And that, that's not the case. You know, I really, I think there's, there's a little bit of disconnect and, and those types of systems don't work for an introverted doctor. Okay. And unfortunately not every doctor chiropractor that's out in practice is charismatic and extrovert and can handle all of these things. They're shy. They're, they're nervous. They just want to help people, but they're being taught how to be these big driver personalities and it doesn't always work. And so then the patient leaves and now your practice dies. And so unfortunately, all too often we see that these practices fail. And that's, that's what brings us full circle to what we said before is that these doctors aren't making it because they're learning these techniques that are old school, these, these sales techniques that are from the 1970s and 80s. And you need to come from a place of love. The millennials have a different way of, of buying. They're different buyers. They have a different headspace and a different mindset. And if you can't relate, then they're out. Yeah, that's very good. Um, and obviously there's just like people are going to resonate with you, you know, more than someone else or more than someone else, more than you. I mean, there, there's different ways 
to skin a cat. I mean, there's different ways to run your practice. Sure. However, I'm sure that there's people listening right now that are resonating with the style that you're talking about. So how would somebody reach out to you guys to find out more information about the services that you guys offer? So we are Keystone Chiropractic Training, www.keystonechiropractictraining.com. And we've got, you can reach me out on Facebook. You can Facebook message me. You can, you know, reach us through our website if you want to read more about us. Um, but call me. I'm so open to being getting on the phone and having a conversation. And, you know, and if it works out, great. And I would love to be able to help the doctors that are are not succeeding or want to do better. And the, rea- and the truth of the matter is, maybe I'm a bit selfish when it comes to this, but my son is looking to be a chiropractor. And I was very, I'm serious when I say that the profession is going to be weakened if they keep, if the enrollment is low and doctors keep dropping out, we're not going to have a strong, a lot of people, you know, as chiropractors out there. And so what's that look like for my son when he enters this profession? I want it to be strong. I'm, I'm a bit selfish in that, but you know, I'm, I really would love to have this profession do better than 5%, you know? Yes. Very, very good. Uh, Carolyn Griffin, thank you so much for being on. I, you and I met once <laughs> briefly. It's, uh, where were we? Where was that? Was it Cairo sushi? Yes. It was in Vegas. And we right sat on. down. Yeah. We're, I happened to sit next to you and I was like, Oh my goodness. I think it's Carolyn Griffin. <laughs> Right on. Yeah, that was good. So uh, thank you so much for sharing uh, with us today. I will put a link to the show notes. uh, Thank you. For everything that you guys have going on and how they can reach out to you. Uh, But thanks again for coming on and sharing with us today. Right on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Well, you've just listened to another episode of Cairo Candy. For the show notes to this episode and all the other shows, head on over to CairoCandy.com. Now, if you're ready to take your practice to the next level and you want to use Facebook to do it, or maybe you've used Facebook before, but you've never had the results that you're looking for, or maybe you've used other people to do Facebook marketing for you and you just haven't been satisfied, head on over to CairoCandy.com and check out our free Facebook marketing training. I go through several different key mistakes that I see doctors all over the world making when it comes to Facebook marketing, and I show you some key strategies and tips that we're using to help chiropractors take their business to the next level and increase the impact in their community. Once again, go to chirocandy.com and check out our free Facebook marketing training. We are currently working in over 40 different chiropractic offices all over the world all over the U.S., Australia, Canada, and we see what's working and what's not. And in this training, I'm going to point out what's working and why it's working. We'll see you next week on another episode of Cairo Candy. See you.